Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy, and here with Richard Hill, Managing Editor and the doer of all things. The doer of all things, yes. Well, the doing, I can do is say day, Matt. We've got a lovely, an, another fabulous podcast. I just, hmm. Everybody is interesting. I guess if you know somebody interesting or if you feel uh, you're interesting, because I think a lot of people feel they're interesting but they don't want to don't want to say anything just let us know because yeah. um we, you know we'll have a look and a chat and you know we love we love having people on the show and finding out and don st john is an absolute fascinating fella he uh, is. Uh, so tell us a bit about him matt yeah very quickly so dr don st john uh he's a somatic relational psychotherapist he's a workshop leader and author of the award-winning book healing the wounds of childhood and as usual, you will put a link in the show notes for, for that one. That's right. You know, and uh, he calls it an adventure of a lifetime. <laughs> and if you read this book, you'll just find that this guy is a really interesting fella, had an interesting life and finally made something wonderful of it. And he's going to tell us this story, I, I hope. Yeah, fantastic. Now, before we jump across to Don, this podcast is sponsored by us. So if you appreciate what we do, <laughs> please jump across to the sciencespsychotherapy.net. That's our academy site. And uh, you will find a wealth of information, courses, videos, all sorts of things there um, for a small monthly subscription fee. Yeah, and I think, just think it's really good we've decided to do this so someone can wander in, have a look and see there's a couple of things that they're really interested in. And, you know, ordinarily you've got to pay a yearly subscription. Well, that's all a bit dull. If you've just got a couple of things that are going to take you a few weeks, come in for a month. That's mm. fine. Yeah. Uh, and then it's up to us to keep you interested. But uh, <laughs> we we think that that knowledge needs to be accessed. And I mean, we need to pay for all the materials and everything. So it's it's a, a fairly modest sum. So come on down, check us out, see what we're saying that is of interest to you and uh, follow that up. So, but now we're going to find out what is of interest to all of us. And that's Don St. John. Dr. St. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's so great to meet you. It's my pleasure. Great to meet you both as well. Yeah, lovely. Uh, of course, Richard here. And uh, it was intriguing um, uh, to, to receive some information. We just sort of discovered you through a bit of this and that and, and some networking, uh, which is what we like to do. And I come across someone who's been, been around for a while doing things and developed your own framework and understanding uh, of stuff. And we'll talk about the different areas that you, that you look at. I love the, 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 the general title of your book from last year, Healing the Wounds of Childhood and Culture. Uh, but I, I really love the overall, uh, the overview. I had it on the top of the book, An Adventure of a Lifetime, which is, which is so having given those little bits of, uh, of insight there, Don, could you tell us, a little bit about the the Donson John story and and how you got there and how that book emerged out of you. I would be glad to. Uh, I was conceived in 1942, just before my father was about to be shipped overseas uh, in World War II, and uh, my mother did not want to be a single mother, so she began thinking about abortion and uh, then confessed to her priest, 
who scolded her severely, and that pretty much terminated her relationship to the Catholic Church. Uh, However, she sent me to Catholic school. I almost died at birth. I came out, she said, with the cord wrapped around my neck and was very close to death. And, uh, And then I quit. It got worse from there. And what I mean by that is, you know, before I was one years old, my mother would lose her temper, like if I made a mess with my food, as an infant often does, and she'd lose it. And she'd slap me across the face in, in rage. And uh, over time, it became an almost daily occurrence, you know, and the slaps, the strikes with shoes and wooden stirring spoons and, uh, you know, and, and, and accompanied by epithets of rage and horrible statements of my worthlessness. Mm. And, you know, that went on until I was big enough to physically say no. Uh, on my father's side, he was virtually a non-entity who resented me because my mother kind of used me against him. Uh, disliked him, cursed him daily, daily. And, you know, I pretty much dropped out of high school intellectually and emotionally on the second day of my second year when my geometry teacher beat the living heck. I don't know what words I can use here. (laughs) That that covers it. He beat him him badly. He beat a young boy. I can can see his face, remember his name. And that that was it. I just emotionally, intellectually said no more. And I went to the public school. I took driver's ed, typing, bookkeeping. Two days after high school, I left home, went into the Air Force and never lived there again. So what would you predict, what kind of life would you predict someone with those beginnings having? Uh, Don, I'm just listening. I'm I'm thinking now we go down this direction and this is a hell in a handbasket. You've got all the classic things of of insecure attachment and confused attachment. You've got complex trauma. It got all that. But we know that life is more, is not predetermined. It's just given dispositions. So I'm sitting with looking at you now and I'm thinking, you know, which part, when did he, when was he able to not go down that path? Did you go down that path straight away? Or did you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, as, as we know people can do? Well, that, you know, the journey actually began in my fourth year in the Air Force. I was stationed in Tampa, Florida. I was drinking prodigiously. Now that's and to be expected. One morning, yeah, okay. You know, of course. You know, one morning, I woke up in the back seat of my car. I was bleeding from my throat. And a little voice in my head said, you need help. 
And, you know, here I was from an Italian immigrant family. We didn't go to psychotherapists. No one in my neighborhood saw a psychotherapist. That was for crazy people. But that voice said, you know, you need help. Yeah, you're in the backseat of a car with bleeding from the throat and feeling pretty miserable. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you might have been a little crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could I could list the diagnoses that I would ascribe to that person. And so I found a psychotherapist who worked on Saturdays. He had great pedigree, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, MD, the whole thing. He was terrible in retrospect as a psychotherapist. But he said one thing to me that changed my life. While I was in the Air Force, I took some courses from the University of Maryland's overseas program when I was stationed in Bermuda. And I liked the psychology courses that I took. And I said to my therapist, but what would I do with a bachelor's in psychology? And he said, oh, get a PhD. And, you know, and I thought to myself, you're crazy. I didn't go to high school. I'm going to get a PhD. (laughs) And, you know, that was in 1964, 65, 1967. I was at the University of Kansas in a doctoral clinical program. Uh, It was fast, very fast, uh, too fast. And then the world changed, you know, 1967, 1968. We were in a different world. I began experimenting wisely. I I wasn't using drugs foolishly, but I was experimenting with LSD and psilocybin, marijuana. And are you in the air? Are you still in the Air Force at this point? Or have you left the Air Force? No, no, I left in the You left, yeah. Yeah, I served four years and left. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And at a certain point, at a certain point, I realized maybe I was reading Wilhelm Reich, but I realized that my body was a mess. I could not feel anything other than pain below my neck. It was, I lived in my mental apparatus. And you know, that was the extent of my affect. I, I could get impulsive, I could get angry, but for any kind of soft feelings, completely incapable of a genuine and deep human connection. And Along the way, I had many, many, many insights that um, kept opening up my vista of this world. And one of them was that even in what we consider to be very fine, normal homes, people emerge with issues that it would be wise for them to deal with, that perhaps, and I say perhaps, but I really believe that we're actually here to do that, that we're on this earth to to emerge as whole as we can be, as fully as we can be. 
And, you know, when I say that, a little voice in my head that says, are you sure you're not, as, you know, promoting narcissism here, you know, to emerge as fully... Yes. It's, it's tricky my, those things isn't it yeah so what and yeah. what did what did your conclusion about that that voice because i've certainly got some thoughts and matt might have too but you uh you found that that voice was perhaps uh, uh asking you the wrong question or well my my answer richard to that voice is, is that in we, we don't exist outside of relationship and we, we simply don't. We're born in relationship. We live in relationship. One of the worst human punishments is complete isolation, right? So it's, it's developing our capacity for relationship. Yes, a brilliant answer. It's not the narcissism. It's not the isolation. And in fact, the, the, the isolated persona, the I have to do it on my own and, and I don't need anybody else uh, has been experimented with in various places around the world and uh, uh, constantly proved itself to be um, uh, inadequate and, 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 and a failing. And I, I know Matt's got something on the tip of his tongue, but, mm. but I've, um, uh, one of the things that I, I write about in, uh, in the beginning of one of my first books, it was just, we have a client comes in, says, I'm not okay. And then we do stuff with them, and then they say, oh, I'm okay now. And I think that is such an insight because we know what is okay. We have an innate, inbuilt sense of what is okay and what is not okay. And so, of course, we seek to be okay. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. But we start from different – sometimes we start from different points. And as you say, even in what we call might call a normal, well-balanced, uh, functional home – there are always things that that we need to to work with and deal with. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but gee whiz, Don, I'm just sitting here. I'll just take a breath because that's that's an incredible incredible story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I I thought it needed to be told, which is no, why really really appreciate you doing speed. that. Yeah, very very interesting. This whole thing that you discovered about the somatic self being sort of shut down and then you could have isolating you and Richard and I, we like making um, music metaphors. <laughs> and, yes, and as you said, everything is, everything is uh, relational and uh, you know, we exist within relationship and just as a, a musical note isolated by itself is not music. You know, it, it, it has to be in relationship with other notes and within, mm -hmm. you know, uh, timing and, and rhythm and um, relationship with other uh, pitches and, and, and so are we. Uh, so I would imagine that this then Beautiful. was the impetus then for um, for expressing some of these things in your book. Correct. Yes. Yes. And you know, there's there's a very interesting misunderstanding about the body. We talk about. Are you familiar with the work of Thomas Hanna? Have you ever come across that name? Yeah, I know his name. I, I don't. I'm not largely familiar, but I've seen the name in amongst the the various uh, that aspect of uh, literature. He was, yeah, uh, he was a philosopher, professor of philosophy, chairman of, of the department at um, the University of Florida, oh. and his philosophy led him to the body, and 
it was he was the person who invited Moshe Feldenkrais, a more popular name you may have yeah. heard, yeah, and to the U.S. to teach, and he made a very important distinction about the body that I think is really valuable to to recognize. He said the body has two sides. There's the outside, the body, a third person, linguistically, a third person thing, okay? You know, I look and I can see your shoulders and I can see your forehead, etc. However, you feel, you don't feel your forehead, you feel sensations. You, you feel the inner experience of your shoulders, your arms, your legs, et cetera, et cetera. And it's that, that we need to evolve, that we need to deepen that connection, okay, to our sensations of our body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, enhanced in relationship, and um, you know, Richard in, involved in um, massage. His wife is a um, does massage. When someone else touches, you know, the forehead or the shoulder, you become more acutely aware, um, and that uh, that has to play a part in that. What you're saying, the second. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of touch therapies. There's Mm. so many. Uh, And, you know, it's like every five years, there seems to be another 50 or 100 new therapies out there that one can experiment with. But I think it's great that people are recognizing the importance of connecting to their body. Mm. Because I mean, I, uh, Don, I was I was a, an actor in my first incarnation, so for the first forty years, and uh, th- that's what we spent. I mean, I actually, uh, people, guys, I don't want to bore everybody in the audience, but you haven't heard it before. But I actually advocate uh, quite seriously that people, everybody, should do as a national service a year of acting, <laughs> where you learn to be from the inside out, and you learn to discover the presence in yourself, the capacity within yourself to be other people, to be other versions of yourself. And uh, you experienced this. uh, uh, You didn't have to go and get Shakespeare to help you uh, have have this this struggle. You're there in this struggle. So I just want to go back there. So to this point where you're there, you're discovering, um, you've, you've been cut off at the neck, uh, and there's mm. lots of lots of ways and 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 capac- uh, reasons why that's possible, and you seek the journey uh, uh, to 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 move out of that to uh, 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 engage yourself. But at this stage, when you're in that sort of frame, uh, you know, I, I, how, I mean, how lonely is that? Mm. Are you a yeah. Is that a feeling of, is that the greatest feeling of isolation or separation or disconnection that you've had? Those words just sort of come up into to my, uh, and Matt was just sort of messaging me about that. It's a very good question, Richard. Um, my loneliness 
for years, in my early life, my 20s, well into my 30s, got acted out through infidelities, marriage, divorce, without my recognition at the time that what I was seeking was genuine or heartfelt connection Mm -hmm. to another human being. And one day it happened. I was with someone and I felt this connection. What is this? It it was foreign. It was strange. I knew what it was, but I never felt it before. I don't know if I've ever, if I felt it as an infant in my mother's arms or with my grandmother, but Certainly not as an adolescent or adult. I just didn't know. Such and, a huge thing, Don. When, the, when, we, when we talk about I mean, uh, Dan Siegel, the interpersonal neurobiology, and, 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 and various other uh, uh, schools of thought, but he's just got a nice simple one where he talks about the, 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 you know, the brain, or the mind, the body, and relationship uh, as right. just a, a, an, in, an indivisible triad. And so when you get this insecure attachment, and particularly this confused and, and you know, disconnected frameworks, um, that relationship, going back to what I was saying about we have a natural inbuilt system of knowing when we're okay and not okay, and not having that leaves you, leaves you with this constant, this constant state of, of not being right. And, of course, then what we do is we act out this not being in the, in the okay state. And as you say, you're acting out was seeking was was seeking relationship on a sort of a superficial level or on a sort of a a shallow level or 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 not trusting it uh, or all, all these things are are really intriguing what what was going on there it was trying to fill a void an mm. emptiness a gnawing feeling yes. Something is empty that shouldn't be empty. Maybe, maybe the next woman that I meet, something is going to fill it. And alcohol too, was that another attempt? Alcohol was part of it until my early, mid-20s. And then I switched to marijuana, found it much, much less lethal. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I, I like music and munchies. No barroom brawls. Quite a difference. That's a good. But, it's a good choice. Yeah, uh, it was a good choice. You know, and eventually, I, I I have to tell you because I don't want to leave the audience without knowing that my, my life now at eighty years old, and my wife is also eighty years old. We've been together. 38 years. The connection is extraordinary. We can go deep. We're still very much interested in exploring our sensuality, sexuality. Uh, You know, on good days when I'm taking a walk, I feel like my body is just graceful and fluid and the exact opposite of where it was headed in my 20s and 30s. 
isn't it amazing that your nervous system when you're an infant and, and a young child would have been developed in such a way to shut you down from connection and oh, yet sure. here you are at 80 and it's com- it's it's completely different yeah it's, it's a protective yeah it's a I was just saying it's a protective thing um but yeah. that that gap was still there so but mm. but let's talk a little bit more so we've got this incredible picture of someone Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. But then you've just given us the end story, which is great. So we know what the, we know what the the the, the end of the play is. Yeah, is, is great. Yeah. Let's fill in some of that space in between. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I must admit, Matt and I were both fascinated when we looked at some of the talking points that that that, that we had. Was your focus uh, one of the, your focuses of attention was on forgiveness? Mm. Uh, yeah. Can you? Weave that into a bit of the story of how you pieced yourself back into the wholeness of yourself now. May I begin by telling you a little story? Oh, please. I was in a conference that was focused on living from the heart. It was with a man named William Brew Joy. Don't know if you heard of him. For about 15 years, he was like big in Los Angeles. Uh, He was a medical doctor, got sick, Western medicine, couldn't cure him, went to India, spiritually awakened, came back, started teaching. I'm in the second day of that conference when my wife, my second wife, calls and said she had to talk to me. And she drove two and a half hours, sat down and said, I want to have an open relationship. And oh, by the way, I started. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you can imagine, you can imagine the rage, the pain. I'm 35 years old. I've been working on myself. You know, I've made some gains, but got a ways to go. And and uh, the group was very compassionate. They focused the evening session on holding me and. But the next morning, the leader came in and he said, it's time to move to the heart level. Okay, If you're not willing to do that, I'll give you, I'll give you a refund. You, you can go home, but we're not going to be hanging out at the emotional level going forward. And now I went completely crazy. I was bouncing off the walls. I was punching things. I, it, it was unimaginable. How do you do that? How could you possibly do that? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I had until six that, that evening to make a choice, take the refund, go home, or let go of all the emotional stuff, right? Sounds crazy, I know, but hang in there with me. Well, this, this went on all day, all afternoon, I should say, when somewhere around five in the evening, out of the blue, all of a sudden, I swear to you, my heart just like it opened and I felt love for no one in particular, for no reason in particular, I felt this love. I thought, oh my God. And a delight that came over me. Well, of course I'll stay. Of course, we'll go to the heart. Now, the rage and the pain did not go away. They 
emerge throughout the next few days, but the context was different. The context had shifted. She wasn't doing it to me. I, it was like, okay, this is what's happening. We'll see if we're going to stay together or not stay together. But you know, some magical things started happen, happening to me in the group. I could see my future. I could see that it was going to go in a positive direction. In retrospect, what, what, what created that moment of shift? If, if you could put your finger on anything, maybe you can't. Possibly the intention of the leader who presumably was functioning out of that heart space mm-hmm. had achieved yeah. that in his own spiritual quest. Yeah, and, and that sense of... Uh, you know, if we do have this, that moving into the heart space is the better thing for us. And of course, uh, any system will want to move itself towards what's better for it. Uh, and but discovering the uh, and I talk about therapy, but when I talk about it, it, a lot of what we're doing is creating opportunities and appropriate circumstances. And that sort of rather ambiguous comment is is really what this chap did he he created an opportunity um mm-hmm. by having the conference he created some circumstances which certainly was stay or go but as you say he they create he created the conditions by his presence by so it is often just um with a therapist that it is not necessarily what they do it's just who they are it's it's the the being the relational being that you create in between therapy and in, in the therapeutic yeah, process. Yeah. And, and Richard, that takes me to where we started, which is forgiveness. And yeah. forgiveness is essential to open the heart, to be able to live with peace and love in your heart. Because, you know, it's easy to compile and accumulate resentments, rancor, regrets, and forgiving ourselves for the things we did or didn't do or wish we had done. And, you know, to have that attitude, you know, and and to be honest about the things we've done to others and to feel, you know, there's pain when we look and see that we were unconscious and it hurt someone you know yeah and when we when we talk about forgiveness you know we we obviously you we can't control anybody else so this is purely you know uh, our own thing that we have to we have to do and and reconcile in our own hearts can you because it's very it's very difficult um I, i think for many to forgive when um you know the the attitude or the abuse or whatever you know is unchanging in the other Mm. Just before you answer, John, I'll just add a, a, a comment, a thought of mine and my experience. Uh, uh, and, and, then, and then, please, if you would comment, because I'm just, as you're saying that, Matt, mm. there, there's somebody else. Like I've got a very unpleasant uh, uh, interaction with a with a person. Um, I don't actually have any desire to forgive him. He, he was a horrible person. 
but I forgive me for making the mistake, for uh, not seeing it. I go, uh, okay, I, I, yeah, and I kind of forgive myself for getting sucked. It was a fraud case. So I forgive myself for being um, uh, sucked into it. And and uh, and I and part of my forgiveness was that that um, I needed to learn. So I said, to forgive myself, I need to learn from this and, and become better. So forgiveness sometimes is different. And it's interesting what you said, Matt. Mm-hmm. Don, please, love to hear your, your reflections. Well, it's uh, ironic that you brought up fraud. My wife and I were just scammed this past week for uh-huh. a good sum of money by some real pros. You know, if the abuse is current and continuous, obviously it has to be stopped, right? Is that what yep. you're talking about, Matt? Uh, well, even if you've escaped the abuse, but the abuser is out there and unchanged. Um, you know, I've had some you know fraudulent things happen to me as well, and and the individual individuals are you know still out there, probably you know scamming others. Um, Well, I think one thing that's important is that the the anger that comes from that doesn't fester in one's heart. You Mm. know, if Mm. if it's if it's uh, playing in our minds at no good sob, and next time I see him, I'm going. You know, to to keep that quality of energy inside of us doesn't doesn't help us right yeah, we I mean, kind of let... what we have to do what we have to do to take care of ourselves to not allow it to happen to put them in jail to you know to bring forth strength that's different and hmm. that's important but you know i know people i mean my family i mean they get mad at somebody and they, and they stay mad for 12 years, you know, and yeah. then every time the name comes up, you know, the affect, the stories, uh, who does that help? And then 12 years later, all of a sudden they're invited to dinner and the feud's over. It's bizarre. As a kid, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. You know, for seven years now they come over every friday night what happened yeah because so there's so there's several levels of this i mean one is the the letting go of the person just saying okay you're a bad person that's it but you no longer are affecting me i forgive myself for for being in that connection and then there's this this other thing of actually uh even holding on and i suppose maybe People hold on because they hope the relationship will resolve, and then that that possibility, and as you say, quite bizarre sometimes, where where uh, resolution is possible. So, um, but it's how do we how do we manage the holding on? So the letting go uh, that's probably easier to do, but the holding on when it's done by festering and and uh, and, and by you know maintaining that anger and that rage is only going to leave you, well, you know, maybe end you up in the back of a car um, bleeding from your throat, you know. So it's not good. Yeah. Right. We've all been wounded. And the process 
of healing these wounds, the process of becoming whole becomes an adventure in, in that we face challenges, surprises, things that are unexpected, amazing rewards along the way. And as far as I can tell, there's no end to it as long as we're breathing. Uh, and there are four areas that I think it's important to address. And these four areas are the body, the soma, as we've just spoken of, our psychology, you know, the purview of the psychotherapist. I think everyone needs to be in a good relationship somewhere where your authentic self feels safe to emerge, to be seen, to be revealed. And if you don't have that in your life, find it in a, with a psychotherapist because it's hard. It's hard to affect okay, because of that tension between authenticity and attachment. From the very beginning, that tension that's there and if our authenticity isn't supported, it, it gets tucked away. It gets disowned. Those parts of me that are not me. And then I project them onto someone else, et cetera, et cetera. So that whole process. And I think, I think relationship work, you know, working in relationship is a whole area I separated it from the psychological because I believe it warrants in and of itself a whole lot of attention and emphasis. Okay. I mean, I can't tell you, I've been taking workshops both personally and professionally for 40 years or more. Mm -hmm. and, and the last one is the whole spiritual dimension. Okay. I would just encourage people to embark on the adventure because it's worthwhile. What a beautiful, simple statement. I love it. I love it. I, and, and I'm going to keep doing that myself. Fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Don St. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It was great getting to know you. It's my pleasure. I've enjoyed our conversation. Hey, take care. Well, I am at G Matt. That was that was really moving. I, yeah, it's it's yeah. extraordinary when people are, are I think, really brave. Mm. Uh, I, I know he, he he was eighty. Yeah, I know. It certainly didn't look like he was eighty, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just like I said, I think in the interview, it was just amazing with such a rough, you know, childhood mm. um, to be able to end up where he is. How remarkable! Yes, the, the capacity for us to move towards well-being mm. is there. The actuality of it is tricky. Um, as we said in the interview, uh, uh, when we find that opportunity and, and when we need those circumstances, and so it's really important, the work we do as therapists, to, uh, to be part of the mechanisms, of the many mechanisms uh, that enable that for people. So, uh, yeah. and Don was very... Very keen on on therapists doing these good things. Yeah. So if you want to go a bit deeper and um, understand a little bit more of Don's journey, do um, get his book, Healing the Wounds of Childhood. Link in the show notes as usual. Brilliant. 
Well, for now, Matt, I think uh, we've done our dash. Uh, don't forget, come in, join and look at our show. We, we've got these up on YouTube as well, so you can yep. see it on video, so you can see Don in person. Uh, you know, like the, 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 the YouTube videos. Just subscribe because we're putting new things up there all the time. And, of Indeed. course, the, our academy at thescienceofpsychotherapy.net. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here at the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. Thanks, Richard. It's been wonderful, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. 